graduation season is now upon us, and on behalf of our pastor and, and the church, we want to congratulate you graduates for reaching this milestone. And, you know, sometimes graduation or a graduation service is called a commencement exercise. Now, if you know the meaning of commencement, that really might make you scratch your head a little bit. Why? Because if you know anything about uh, the word commencement, commencement means to begin. And here we are, you know, we always kind of think about graduation as an ending. You know, you're, you're closing out your high school years or you're closing out your college years. But uh, your graduation really is not the ending. It is really just the beginning. And so I want to read a couple verses and then just kind of give the graduates a challenge and also give all of us a challenge tonight. If you have your Bibles and you're in there, Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, if you know anything about the book of Acts, the book of Acts is known as the commencement of the church, or it is the beginning of the church. And tonight we honor our graduates from all different schools. Some of them are from our Christian school. Some of them are from other schools, maybe another Christian school, or maybe a public school, or, or maybe some are from different colleges and things like that. But, uh, you know, in just a few days, on Tuesday night, we're going to uh, graduate some of the kindergartners from our Christian school, and that'll be happening on Tuesday night. And I think about how silly would it be if we were to say to some of those kindergartners in that kindergartner class, the class of 2034, how silly would it be if we were to pull out some car keys and give them some car keys and say, now, great job, no more school. Uh, uh, you'd say, Brother Mark, that would be a little ridiculous. It would, it's their commencement. They're just beginning into life. You know, it would be the same way that that uh, we would do that if our if with our 12th graders. Maybe we would say to them, "Boy, you're all done. You're all graduated from high school. You're all done from college. Now go on and just celebrate and kick back and relax and and eat all the food you want. Party it up. Just live it up. Play all the video games you want. You are finished." But what does the Bible say? The Bible says, "And they." continued steadfastly. Now, what does that word continue mean? That word continue means uh, to not to cease to do. And in our vernacular, in our verbiage, we would say they didn't stop. The Bible says that these, these folks, they continued steadfastly. And I want to say to you graduates, to the class of 2022, I want to say to continue. It's time to go on for both the high school students and the, the college graduates. Or maybe you're here tonight and maybe you've been a member here at Woodland Baptist Church for 10 years or 15 years or 25 years or 35 years. Now's not the time for us to prop our feet up and just take it easy. We, we, can, we may get the feeling like we can just coast through life or eat candy corn, or eat Snickers bars, or, or play video games, or whatever. But the will of God for all of our lives is to continue. And the Bible says, and they continue. Look what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 14. I like what the visiting preacher said the other day about what the Bible says. And he said, and it does matter what the Bible says. But the Bible says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. The Bible is encouraging us to continue. 
Now, if any of you have gone to a graduation, I know a few of you have already graduated, and maybe some of you are going to graduate. Our high school graduation here at the, at the church is going to be next Friday night. But a lot of times, and really the most common song that is played at a graduation is Pomp and circumstance. And that goes back about a hundred years. There was the coronation that was going to be held for King Edward VII. And there was, it was suggested that the music of Edward Elgar be combined with the words of A.C. Benson. And the line, there's a line within that song of pomp and circumstance. It's also known as the graduation song. But within that song, there's a little phrase, and it caught my attention when I came across it the other day. It says, God who made thee mighty, make thee mightier yet. Now, how many of you would think it would be a great thing if God would take some of these young people and these young adults and young men and young ladies, maybe some of these graduating high, high school seniors and maybe some of these college graduating seniors and make them mighty? How many of you would agree with me? Hey, that would be a great thing that God would make them mightier than even they are now. You know, he wants to. There should be no plateaus in the Christian life. There shouldn't be an area where we just get to an area and we just kind of plateau. We just kind of cruise through the Christian life, if you would. There should be no plateaus. There shouldn't be any places where we feel like we have arrived. I think of that song, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Hey, that should be the desire of all of us to, hey, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. We haven't arrived. I think of Joshua and Caleb in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers. And you know the story about how Moses, they were nearing Kadesh Barnea and they, they were to cross over into Canaan land. And Joshua said, okay, I want to, uh, the Lord has told me to send 12 spies over into Canaan land. I want you to search it out and see if we're able to grow vegetables and fruit and things like that. See what the people are like. See if we can defeat them. And what happened? If you know your Bible, ten spies came back and they said, boy, it's a good land, but the, the people are just way too big. They're giants in that land. And we know how the story goes. There were two, two of the spies, two of the twelve that came back, Joshua and Caleb. And they came back with a good report and they told Moses, they said, Moses, the land is great. We can grow fruits. We can grow vegetables. We can do all this. And yes, they are big, but with God's help, we can conquer Canaan land. Now here's the thing about it. It said, I was reading behind some Bible scholars, they said that Joshua and Caleb were in their 80s. They said, I want that mountain. You know, hey, that's challenging to me to think, hey, they were in their 80s and yet saying, hey, let me go forward. I haven't reached a plateau. I want to keep on going for God. I want to keep on accomplishing more. I want, I want to preach tonight on the subject of simply continue. How to continue. About two weeks ago, the pastor asked if I would make a couple visits to one of our area hospitals and I went over to the hospital and I knew that I was going to be preaching this service and I began to mull it over in my mind and think about what am I going to say to these graduates what does what would the Lord have me to say and so I went to make a couple visits you know you get to Forsyth Medical Center and they ask you have you had any symptoms of this or that or coughing and sore throat blah 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 and they go on and then they give you a little sticker and you can go in and make your visits and so I went in I went to the sixth floor to go see somebody 
the patient was being tended to, so I stepped away from that door and went up to the seventh floor to go see somebody else, and I got to make that visit, and I went back down to the sixth floor, and I was able to see that person, and then on my way out, I went towards the elevator, and I went to go mash that button. You know how there's a little button that you hit to go up or down, and I hit down because I wanted to go back out to my car and come back up to the church, and I noticed right above this, the uh, little button that you mashed to go up or down, there was a little sticker, and I happened to read it, and I thought, boy, that would make a good message, and so really, uh, as simple as it may be, I got this message simply from a little sticker uh, that I read there at Forsyth Medical Center, and it says this. It said, know your W's. And I got to look at that little sticker and began to mull it over as I knew that I was to preach tonight. And I want to encourage you graduates, if you're going to continue, if you're going to not give up in the Christian life, you are going to have to remember your W's. You say, Brother Mark, what are you talking about? Let's back up a little bit. I've just, we've just come through COVID. Most of the regulations have been lifted. Uh, thank the Lord for that. But, and, and most of the mask mandates have been lifted and everything. But at the hospital, you're still supposed to wear a mask. And so one of the few places that I wear one is when I go to the hospital. Why? Because they won't let you in if you don't put it on. And so I do that. But I, that, the, the purpose of this is not to have a medical uh, debate about mask or no mask or whatnot. But the sticker said, remember your W's. And the first thing that it said, and this will be my simple outline tonight, is number one, where. If we are going to continue, uh, the, the sticker said where, and what they were referring to was wear your mask. But I want to make the spiritual application to you young graduates, you young adults that are venturing off into the world, that if you are going to continue in the Christian life, you are going to have to wear. The Bible says in Romans 13 and verse number 14, it says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. In a, in a very real sense, the Christian life is a put-on. The Christian life is a put-on. Now, I'm not speaking about being a fake or a phony, but we are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ in our life every day. The phrase put on Christ means to figuratively clothe oneself with the Lord Jesus Christ to reveal the glory of God to the world. I want to challenge you graduates tonight, every morning when you wake up, would you put on the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I am a representative of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and as I head out the door, I want to represent Him well. I want to make Him happy with my life. May we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who clothe themselves with the Lord Jesus Christ are believers who do not focus on gratifying the desires of our sinful nature. Now, all of us have that sinful nature. But if you're going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have that desire to not put on the sinful nature and to gratify the desires of that sinful nature. You have to wear. In the preceding verses, we are told to awake out of sleep not referring to being woke. Those that are woke really need to go back to sleep. But we're told to cast off the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. Years ago, there was a credit card company uh, named American Express. I think they're still around. But they made this slogan very popular. They said, don't leave home without it. And graduates, tonight I want to encourage you, don't leave home without putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Every day when you wake up, that one of the most important things you'll do is put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you when you wake up and you gather together and you grab your purse or maybe you grab your wallet or you grab your clothes or you grab your keys. Not maybe grab your clothes. I sure hope you grab some clothes. Uh, um, but, but you grab your cell phone or whatever. As you head out the door, will you remind yourself, I am a child of the King. I am born again. Hopefully you are. And if you're born again, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What does it look like? Putting on Christ means abiding in the Lord Jesus and living to please Him. As you graduate, maybe you decide, hey, I want to enter the work for, workforce. I want to encourage you. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Wear it. As you graduate, maybe you further your, edu your education. And may I remind you, may I warn you, you're going into a, a world out there, a society that is not for the Christian life. They are vehemently against what we are against. They're going in a completely opposite direction. But may I encourage you, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The world is heading in the not headed in the same direction we are heading. What is that going to look like if you're going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Put on holiness. Decide you're going to be holy. Put on right speech. Put on a right attitude. Put on humility. Put on a, a, a work ethic that I am going to work when I'm clocking in at my job at 8 o'clock and work till 4.30. I am going to work as hard as I can and be the best employee. Put on honorableness. Put on being honest and just being a man of integrity or a lady of integrity. The world's objectives are not our objectives. You know what the world's objective is? Let me just work Monday through Friday. Let me work. Let me get my paycheck and let me run down to the liquor store and just live it up on Friday and Saturday. And I'll come into work on Monday morning and I'll tell everybody what a good time I had, even though Sunday morning I spent it just puking in the toilet. You know, that's the world's idea of fun. Totally different than the Christian. Their objectives are not our objectives. As you head out the door each morning, would you wear the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you say, not my will, but thine be done? Just like Jesus prayed. He said, not my will, but thine be done. Number one, we've got to wear. We've got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then number two... We are to wait. I saw that sticker and it said wait. And what they were implying, they were implying this thing that has now become a verb that we never heard of before. This thing called social distancing. We never heard of that before. And all of a sudden they made that into a verb. And so the sticker said social distance of six feet apart. But then under that, there was a little phrase that caught my attention. Here's the little phrase that it said. It said avoid close contact. I want to say to you graduates, as you head out and you head out into your workforce or you head out into the, to the, to the maybe a secondary education or whatnot, I want to encourage you avoid close contact. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2 in verse number 11 it says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war 
against the soul. The Bible says that, hey, we're strangers. We're pilgrims in this world. And you know what? We are strangers. I think of that song, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. The Bible tells us to love not the world. He's not speaking about creation. He's not speaking about not loving the inhabitants of the world. What is John speaking about? John's speaking about not loving this world system, the philosophy of the world, the the direction of the world. He's speaking about the word cosmos or the combined activities and the affairs and the advantages and the accumulated assets of the worldly men on earth. This world is going a different direction. The Bible tells us we're strangers. We're pilgrims. Why? Because of that, we are to abstain from fleshly lusts. Take it from us veteran or older Christians. This world wants to pull us down. And may we determine as we head out into the world, we are going to abstain from fleshly lust. You're going to get into a college class and all of a sudden there's going to be some forward guy or some forward girl or, or they're going to invite you to some party. Determine, hey, you're going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Determine that you're going to wait. You're going to avoid close contact. I'm not talking about being a recluse. We, we are to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. The, the spiritual and moral values of this world. There's the, the spirit of this world. There's the fashion of this world. There's the corruption that is in the world. 30 different times in the Bible we see where the word cosmos is referenced to and it's speaking about the world. We are to wear. We are to wait. Look what we put up. It says here, uh, put up that uh, verse. Next. Go past that to the quote. The Bible, the, the, I put up, the believer is in the world but not to be of the world because the Lord has chosen us out of the world. Young people, we, we are to be in the world, but we're not to be of this world. I pray that as you graduate and you head out into your life, hey, go make as much money as you can, but don't make that your sole purpose. Don't make that your only desire just to get a paycheck. May it be, hey, I want to raise a godly fa- family. I want to stay married the rest of my life. I want, to, I want to live for God. Avoid close contact. You know, you're going to get in the world, and the world's going to rub off on you, and you're going to have to, to go home and just say, Lord, help me. Help my mind. Help my walk. Help my spirit. We're going to have to wear. We're going to have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have to wait. We're going to have to uh, avoid close contact and then number three in closing we're going to have to wash the sticker that i read it said wash your hands or use hand sanitizer and we've all come through covid we all know about that but if we're going to continue on in the christian life if we're if we're going to be steadfast if we're going to not stop doing what we know to do we're going to have to wash you say what are you talking about well i wonder five years from now you graduates i wonder which ones of you will still be serving God. I wonder which ones of you will still be faithful to the house of God. I th- as I was thinking about this graduation, I went to a small, not, well, not extremely small, it was about 400 students. We had a Bible college, there was a Bible college there, and I remember going there, and I, I graduated from a Christian school, and uh, there was about 13 of us in the Christian school that graduated. One of them ended up going to the same Bible college I did, and uh, ended up taking his life in the military just a couple years after he quit Bible college. And I think about that and how sad that is that anybody would get to that that point. But it makes me think, where are you going to be? 
Are we going to be telling a horror story? Maybe you didn't take your life, but maybe, maybe, boy, now you've got five different children from five different men or five different women and you're just you, you, your life's a mess and maybe you decide to come back and I want to encourage our graduates you you mess you you maybe uh, mess up your life and you you th- you mess up and do different things come back we're we're going to accept you we're going to love you but we want to try to to get a hold of you we want you to say hey I'm not going to go that way I'm going to be a different person. I'm going to, the world may do it, the other graduates may do it, but I'm going to cling to God. I'm going to wear, I'm going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to wash, and I'm, I'm going to wait. Boy, let me ask you, how is your heart tonight? How is your heart? Years ago, the story was told about a, a lady. She was a mother. Her name was uh, Mrs. Patty Wheat. She was having a normal day. The year was 1982. She was in Bedford, Virginia, and uh, three children were playing in the backyard. She had three children, ages eight, six, and two. There was no fence in that backyard, just an open backyard and woods, and the husband was away on business. And and what she would do, because there was no fence around there, every uh, 10 minutes she would set her, uh, her oven timer to go off, and she would look out the back window and just make sure everything was okay and everything. And so she did that a few times, and then uh, on about the third or fourth time, that timer went off, and she noticed that her little two-year-old son, Jay, was gone. And you can imagine, as a mother, you get worried, and so she began to run around the house and check the house, and she began to, to check the road and make sure that maybe the Jay didn't wander out into the front yard and, and go out by the road or any, every, anything, and so there was no sign of him anywhere. And, he, and she just began to become frantic, as any mother would do, and so she got on the phone and she called the Bedford County Sheriff's Department. She said, uh, a Sheriff, I've got a, a two-year-old son. He's missing. I don't know where he's at. Can you help me? And so patrol cars arrived on the scene, and there was about a hundred uh, different fe- people there. There were helicopters overhead, and they began to look for Jay, and they began to keep on looking. And they brought dogs on the scene. There were bloodhounds there, and they were looking for little Jay, and there was over a hundred people gathered looking for this, this missing child. The volunteers began searching through the entire woods and just going through all the dense woods that lay behind their house. And they began looking through the briars and the thick undergrowth, looking for little Jay. And as hours went on, that mother just became more and more frantic and more frantic. And they were searching for that two-year-old boy wearing a T-shirt and just a diaper. This went on for hours, and they found nothing. And you can imagine as the sun began to set, they began to get more work and more worried and Mrs. Hart, Mrs. Wheat's heart just began to sink and her tears began to flow about 4.30 that next morning. So you can imagine Mrs. Wheat was so distraught through the night. I'm sure she cried herself to sleep if she was able to even fall asleep and the tears began to flow. About 4.30 that next morning, an elderly woman was walking her German Shepherd dog and the German Shepherd dog had its path that it normally wanted to go on. All of a sudden, the dog began to try to make a a, a right and head off into the woods. And so the lady didn't know what was going on and so she just let her dog finally go over there and the dog led that lady straight to where little Jay was. Jay was right there under the thicket, 
and that German shepherd led the, 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 the lady straight to the, to, the, to the baby. And when rescuer, rescuers finally arrived, they found little Jay. He was bleeding from the briars and crying for his mother, and they quickly took the child home to an overjoyed mother. You can imagine how excited the mother was to, to see Jay, and it's impossible to understand what that mother must have felt just to have little Jay back in her arms. But the application I want to make tonight is perhaps you are playing a dangerous game. Perhaps you are wandering from God. We have, there's boundaries that have been set up, and you decide, well, I'm going to go just wander out. I'm going to go out and do my own thing. Perhaps you are beginning, even in your own heart, to wander from God. You are out of the safe zone. You're getting out into the briars and thickets, and you're convinced, oh, I can handle life without God's help. Maybe, maybe you're convinced that being sold out for God really isn't that important. Or maybe you're convinced that it really isn't necessary to yield your life and your heart to God. Oh, you're not crying out to God under the, in the briars and the thickets. You're not crying out to Him because, hey, on the surface, everything seems to be doing all right. Things are going pretty well. But may I tell you that there's a God in heaven who's looking down and He's heartbroken. He's seeing a Johnny or a Susie that has just decided, hey, I'm going to wander out. I wonder how many of you have decided, hey, I'm going to graduate. I'm just going to go do my own thing. Let me remind you, there's a God in heaven that's looking down and is distraught over you. Why? Because he loves you. Why? Because he gave his life to, 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 to take you to heaven when you die. You know, you once asked him into your heart, but now you are asking him to move over. You once asked him into your heart for salvation, but now you are asking him to move over. Let me read you a verse, James 4 and verse number 8. If you'll go back to that, James 4 and verse number 8, the Bible says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The Bible says, hey, purify your heart. How's your heart tonight? The Bible says to ye double-minded. You know, we can't be double-minded. We can't have one foot in the, in the world and one foot uh, serving God. I was teaching our a college and career class the other day, and I likened it to this. You know, if you're going to have one foot serving God and trying to love God and one foot in the world, it's going to be like having one foot in the gutter and one foot up on the sidewalk. You ever try to walk like that? It's hard. You can't do it. I'm sure inevitably if you were to keep doing it, you'd probably mess up your hip. and You can't do it. Young people, you can't be double-minded. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot serving God. Boy, let's be sold out. How's your heart tonight? How's your heart? The Bible says we're going to have to wash. When that world's dirt gets on us, hey, wash. Confess your, confess your sins to God. Confess to God your need for revival. You know what this world needs? This world needs a bunch of young people to just decide, hey, I am going to serve God. I'm going to love Him. No matter what the world might do, no matter what direction they might go, no matter what the, the majority is, I want to remind you, there's still some, some people that love God. There's still some people in this church that love God. There's still some people in other churches that love God. May I encourage you, don't throw in the towel just because the majority. Dare to be different. Dare to be a Daniel. How's your heart tonight? How's my heart tonight? If we're going to continue, let's confess to God our need for revival. Let's commit ourselves to developing a heart for Him. May we tonight recognize our need to be close to God. 
May we tonight rekindle our desire to walk with Him. You know, the truth of the matter is, teenagers and young adults, we preach to you, we preach to you. But let me just be real for a minute. All of us face this thing of getting cold on God. From, from my left all the way to my right, all of us face this thing of growing cold. When you, can, when you uh, realize in your heart maybe you are growing cold, don't give up on God. I think one of the best decisions I ever made in my life was I was just going to be faithful to God's house. Why? Because you never know when your pastor is going to get up and preach his lungs out and God's just going to put a finger around your heart and say, hey, I need to work on this area. You never know what service it might be that you just get that tug, boy, I need to straighten my life out. As you begin the new area of life, will you continue? The Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Will you remember your W's? Will you wear? Will you put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you wait? Will you avoid close contact with the world? And then thirdly, will you wash? Will you confess a cold heart? Will you make it right? Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed.